This is a Vault Studios production. I'm Reed Redmond. I'm Will Johnson. The show contains graphic material and is meant for mature audiences. This week on True Crime Chronicles. Armed and dangerous, police are warning about a man they say has killed three people in Hampton Roads in the last week. I didn't just up and just wake up and do this. I didn't up and just wake up and do this. It's rare, you know, to have a person who is accused of the crimes that he was accused of to A, um, not already have some form of attorney when you make that request. Um, and B, to agree to be interviewed. Would you like to apologize? No. On Thursday, March 24th, first responders were called out to a house fire in Virginia Beach, Virginia, where the fire department said a person and a dog were found dead. So originally... The thought is that it's a fire, right? Eugene Daniel has been covering this story for 13 News Now in Norfolk, Virginia. So when you have uh, the original call um, was there was a fire of a home and um, they found a young woman inside, uh, Xavier Hill, 31 years old in Virginia Beach. The following Monday, March 28th, the Virginia Beach Police Department shared an update on the case saying its officers were investigating a homicide at that address. At first, they didn't reveal how the victim, Xavier Hill, had died, or if the homicide was related to the fire, only that it occurred at the same house. But they would soon reveal more information, making it clear that the homicide occurred before the fire. Police re- reveal that she didn't die from the fire, that she had actually died from being shot. This is where the investigation starts. Firefighters and police officers found 31-year-old Xavier Hill inside the home and say she died not from the fire, but a gunshot wound. The day after a body was found inside a burning home in Virginia Beach, police shared details of a separate incident which happened about a mile and a half away. The next day, officers were called to a home on Linda Cord to conduct a welfare check. Police also find the body of 73-year-old Clifton Baxter in Virginia Beach inside his home. Like Xavier Hill, Clifton Baxter had died from a gunshot wound. The next day, police found 73-year-old Clifton Baxter dead in a home nearby on Linda Court. Eugene Daniel would soon learn more about the 73-year-old from others in the neighborhood. I spoke with neighbors about Mr. Baxter and they called him Mr. B in their neighborhood. Uh, They said that he was uh, a delightful man, uh, a veteran who loved uh, his yard and uh, had a dog of of many, many years. They said had had recently passed away within the last six months, Um, but they were well known in their little small neighborhood cul-de-sac of just being supportive of all of the little kids that were there in the neighborhood and allowing them to come over and uh, and we'll talk with them and, and say hello. And it was very difficult in talking with one neighbor uh, who just, I just sat there and listened to her cry about the loss to the community. 
and understanding and, and thinking about what happened to him. A very kind, caring, and loving person. While it still wasn't clear how exactly this homicide was connected to the killing of Xavier Hill, police named a suspect in both. Eventually, police put out that they are looking for this 30-year-old man by the name of Cola Beal. And that begins a manhunt uh, to finding Bill over the next few days. Right now, U.S. Marshals are offering a $10,000 reward for information to help them find Cola Beal. This is the man authorities are after. Beal, 30 years old, is a convicted sex offender with a history of firearm possession, according to U.S. Marshals. All right, take a good look at your screen again. This is what Cola Beal looks like. And remember, he is considered armed and dangerous. If you see him or if you know where he is, call the crime line. We reported yesterday that the U.S. Marshals Service is offering up to $10,000 of reward money for information that could lead to the arrest of Beal. Uh, Norfolk police have no further details at this time. I made contact with them just a couple moments ago, but they say they are working with the U.S. Marshals Service to apprehend Beal at this time. With the manhunt still underway, police eventually connected a third homicide victim to the case a man identified as 32-year-old Downing McLean. We begin with breaking news at noon. There is another murder charge against Cola Beal. Beal now faces three second-degree murder charges along with arson. Two of those murder charges out of Virginia Beach, and now we're learning of a third in Norfolk. Police announced about an hour and a half ago that Beal has now been identified as the person potentially behind the death of a 32-year-old man that police found this Monday. We're live at the scene of where police found that third body here in the 3000 block of Sewell's Point Road. Police identify 32-year-old Downing McLean from Virginia Beach as the victim, but it's not clear at this time when or how he died. It's getting worse and worse. Stefan Brathwaite's front door sets the scene for the latest chapter in the search for a man accused of killing three people across Hampton Roads. Never witnessed a murder or someone, you know, being killed, but I know there's crime going on all around. Near where Brathwaite lives off Sewell's Point Road, police found 32-year-old Downing McLean dead inside a home this Monday. Today, investigators connected that death to Cola Beal of Virginia Beach. After the latest in a string of investigative updates this week, Beal now faces three counts of second-degree murder as well as one count of arson. Brathwaite, who hadn't heard about the killings until today, says he feels for the victims' families. But yeah, I feel for the, for the people who have lost their loved ones. I mean, it really breaks my heart. Late on the night of March 30th, around 11.55 p.m., Cola Beal was tracked down to a residence in Hampton, Virginia, where he was taken into custody. He was found on Wednesday, March 30th uh, in, a, uh, in a residence. He says it was an Airbnb in Hampton. And he was arrested um, and charged with two counts of second-degree murder and arson in Virginia Beach. And he was arrested on and also charged with one count of second degree murder uh, and a weapons charge in Norfolk. Big story breaking overnight. The hunt for Cola Beal is over. U.S. Marshals say he was taken into custody just before midnight by Hampton SWAT officers. And while Beal sits in jail, people who knew his victims say they will sleep a little bit easier tonight. Beal was on the run from authorities for days. Some neighbors tell us they feared for their own lives. 
The next day, March 31st, Eugene Daniel would put in a request to speak with Cola Beale, expecting the request would be denied. But a few hours later, he received a call from the Virginia Beach City Jail saying Beale had agreed to be interviewed. It's rare, you know, to have a person who is accused of the crimes that he was accused of to A, um, not already have some form of attorney when you make that request, um, and B, to agree to be interviewed, particularly on camera. And we're talking less than 24 hours after uh, he was captured. And, and I certainly wasn't expecting for him to share what he, what he did. So I can't, I can't hear you right now. All I'm hearing is keys. All I'm hearing is keys. I can't hear you. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. About an hour after receiving that call from the jail, Eugene Daniel, as well as other local reporters, we're sitting down across from Cola Beale. Can you tell us why you wanted to talk and tell your side of the story? Why speak to us? Because most of the times when people see something happen like this, the person that do it don't ever get to tell their side of the story. Almost immediately, Beale begins confessing to the crimes he's charged with, starting with the killing of Xavier Hill, whom he calls his girlfriend. So did, did you shoot your, your girlfriend and burn her house down? Yeah, I did. You did? The next question from one of the reporters in the room is why he did it. When we asked Bill that question, he originally started with um, issues he perceived to be having in his relationship with Miss Hill. So in the beginning, everything was good. Like, like our life was good. But the whole reason they kind of switched it up was like a couple, like a week ago, when uh, her parents, like one of her parents, tried to get involved in our relationship and tried to turn her away from me or like ask about me and how I provide for her when I was providing very well. Beale tells the reporters that adding to his frustrations with his relationship were repercussions from a conviction on a sex crime that dated back several years. He says that probation officers started to visit him concerning his probationary status and that all of these different things going on in his life caused him, in his words, to snap. So what made me snap was, it was like I was to the point um, where I had so much stuff was going on between me, probation, everything. Like, the probation really made me snap because it reset my probation after two years and I ain't did shit wrong. So that was another reason. That was a whole other reason. I told you each person had a different reason why I did it. It won't just like I just woke up and said, I'm going to kill my girlfriend. I, it won't like that. And there was a moment, a conversation that he and Miss Hill, he says, had in which um, got heated. And Mr. Beale said, I quote, and I just saw red. That is when he says he, he, he shot and killed uh, Miss Hill. And that led on to a series of decisions that he says that he made. But I let the dog live because that's what she told me to do. She said, look, don't hurt him. I mean, I'll go set him on fire. I said, she said, don't hurt him. He had nothing to do with this. This is all my fault. This is me. She said it was her fault because she let her let her mom come in and kind of mess up her mess with her head. I said, look, man, don't you I said, I said so that's how you feel. She was like, look, whatever you're gonna do to him, do it to me. So that's when I shot her in the head. 
Then he says that um, he left from there and he went to Mr. Baxter's home. He says he went there and he, he killed Mr. Baxter. Says he shot him as well. When did you kill Mr. Baxter? He was dead on Wednesday. You killed Mr. Baxter on Wednesday? Yeah, he was, on, he was dead on Wednesday. Beale describes the 73-year-old as being like a father figure to him, even referring to him as his father later in the interview. He, he basically raised me. He basically like raised me. Like I was raised him for like 15 years, but at the same time, when I needed him the most, he won't dead. His reasoning, again, this is what he communicated to us in that interview, was that he didn't feel that Mr. Baxter had been there for him as of late in the ways in which he should have been. He mentioned that at some point he had asked Mr. Baxter for financial support. He says Mr. Baxter would not give it to him. And so when he got there, he says that um, um, he went and he says Mr. Baxter was lying down, said hello, said, what are you doing? And it wasn't long after that that he shot him. He also claims that he stole a significant amount of money from Mr. Baxter's home. But when I killed him, I found like $20,000. So this whole time, if you had gave me a thousand, I would have been good just to make it back. You take the 20 grand? Yes, I took, anybody would take the 20 grand. If you had the lotto, you're gonna take the 20 grand, right? Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm just asking. I mean, you ask a question, I'm gonna ask questions too. Anybody can take 20 grand if they see it and they know ain't nobody gonna stop it. Police have not verified whether or not that took place. Um, but to Mr. Beale, he says it justifies that he could have helped him out in the ways in which he asked, but he didn't. According to Beale, the third victim, Downing McLean, was his cousin. And during this interview with reporters the day after his arrest, Beale says McLean was with him that day when he went to Clifton Baxter's home. And he says that after he killed Baxter, he and his cousin went back to Xavier Hill's home. And that's when he set it on fire. And that is what triggered, obviously, the response of firefighters to find the home. That would be on that Thursday, the 24th. So he waited two days, essentially, to um, set the house on fire. According to Beale, Xavier Hill's dog had been alive up until that point. So I left the dog alive, but then I came back to the house and set it on fire, and then I watched the dog burn alive. After setting the home on fire, Beale tells the reporters he wasn't done. He kept saying, I was seeing red in our interview. I was seeing red. And so he told us that Mr. McLean had people that wanted to harm him. Again, this is Mr. Beale's statements in which he says, you know what, if that's the case, I'm already feeling like, he said, I'm already feeling like a mood where I, I can kill. So let's find those people. Let's find those people and I'm gonna help my cousin. So in, in the midst of everything, I'll put a take care of some, some things with him for some people that wanted to kill him. So I, I already snapped. So I'm like, I'm ready to put in some work. I'm ready to take care of some people that try to take care of you before I, I, I get killed. Over the course of that day, Mr. Beale, this is that Thursday, over the course of that day, he says that um, he didn't like the way his cousin was acting and he, he didn't like some things about their interactions. He felt his cousin wasn't taking the situation seriously and 
at one point inside a home where Mr. Bill says he, Mr. McLean, and Mr. McLean's girlfriend that Mr. Bill identified and Mr. McLean's girlfriend, uh, conversation got heated and he says that's when he killed, he shot and killed Mr. McLean, his cousin. I got fed up with him because he kept talking like, like you not about this, you not gonna do nothing. Like, bro, I just killed two people. You don't think I'm, I'm ready to shoot again? So he just kept going off and it started getting loud and raging. So I went right in the kitchen and, and shot him right in the head. He didn't drop, he just, he just kept moving in circles. Then I shot him in the back to make sure he hit the ground. From Tuesday, March 22nd to Thursday, March 24th, Cola Beal says he shot and killed his girlfriend, shot and killed his father figure, and shot and killed his cousin. And according to him, he killed all three victims with the same gun. I made sure I used the same gun. See, I ain't got to worry about finding no other guns or who did it. Yes, I wanted to be known. Yes, I did it. But it wasn't until the following Wednesday that Beal was finally taken into custody. Mr. Beal says that he took the woman he identified as Mr. McLean's girlfriend, that he took her as hostage and was driving around with her. Yeah, I had a girl hostage with me. That was his girlfriend. Whose girlfriend? That was that was um, McLean's girlfriend. I had her hostage with me the whole time. Why? Because I told her if she leave and go talk, I was gonna kill her. He says that she was with him ultimately when he was captured uh, in an Airbnb in Hampton. I was asleep. I had just took a shower and I was asleep. I was playing some music. I learned how to lay down, went to sleep. And I heard this big truck come up. It was like an army truck come up. Every time I looked out the window, they kept saying left, right, left, right. I knew it was done. We don't know how police found him. We we know that police had um, had a tip line and um, had a reward of several thousand dollars for anyone who could ten thousand dollars for anyone who could give information to Mr. Uh, Beal's request. But we don't know yet how they found him. Had he not been found that night? Beal says he planned to continue killing. I had enough ammo to kill a lot of more people. But, I mean, I guess it's thankful that the U.S. Marshals got me through whatever. You know what I'm saying? Because I definitely was about to get out the next day and do something. But had he not got caught, Mr. Beal told us that he was being very strategic about the people he was seeking out and that he absolutely had plans to kill more people. He did not say who those people were in our interview. But he did say he had plans to kill more um, had he not been caught. I mean, I had a few people in mind, but I mean, I can't I can't get to them now. You know what I'm saying? And it all was it was just people who did me wrong, people who did like 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 crazy shit, like people that deserve that shit. You know what I mean? That, that ain't see it coming, but it's, I mean, too late to speak about that now. Repeatedly throughout the interview, Beal is asked if he feels any remorse for his actions. And each time, he says no. I mean, when you snap, you don't think about remorse. You just snap. So, I mean, do you have remorse if you ever tell a lie? Do you have remorse if you ever look somebody in the face and told a bold lie? Or you had a question, but you knew the answer, but you just want to see what somebody's going to tell you? Do you have remorse when you feel, when you look in the mirror and, and you know this is not the right way to, to, to go out, but you still go out like that? Like, like how many times in life do you feel like you, should, you have remorse? We asked several times. Uh, if he felt remorse, and he said no, that that he did not feel remorse for what he did, which you know is is um, uh, 
chilling and, and, and gut-wrenching considering uh, all of the things and, and the families who who obviously are grieving in all of this. Um, but he, yeah, he, he repeatedly said that he felt, he felt no remorse. And as I said, he, he wasn't done. He wasn't finished. Um, he had plans to, to, to cause more harm. Yeah, it's kind of hard to put into words to hear someone and to look at someone um, confessing to those kind of crimes and not feeling any kind of remorse about them. Would you like to apologize? No. Beal is also asked what sentence he thinks he should receive for his crimes. And he said that he wanted the death penalty. Well, I want the electric chair because I'm ready to leave on. I'm ready to move on. I ain't, it's it. I mean, it's over with. I love my family. I love my kids. I love my business. You know what I mean? Of course, my girlfriend, everything is gone. So the electric chair would be the best thing for me. Now, obviously, in the Commonwealth of Virginia, um, that no longer exists. You cannot get the death penalty uh, in, in Virginia. Um, so I asked him, is he willing to accept whatever penalty that a court or a, a judge decides? And he said yes. A confession from behind bars. The man accused of killing three people across Hampton Road says he did it and he feels no remorse. Police arrested Cola Beal last night. Today he spoke with 13 News Now not once but twice. Beal told us without hesitation that he would have killed even more people if he hadn't been stopped. Now, Cola Beal's fate is in the hands of the court system, where he's set to be tried for two homicide charges and an arson charge in Virginia Beach, and one homicide charge and a weapons charge in Norfolk. Cola Beal, the man who admitted to killing three people in Hampton Roads, had his first court appearance today. Charged with killing Xavier Hill and Clifton Baxter in Virginia Beach, as well as Downing McLean in Norfolk. Eugene Daniel has the latest. Bill asked for a public attorney in Virginia Beach court today, and an attorney raised questions about Bill's mental state. Cola Beal in court for the first time after a manhunt led to his arrest. Facing a judge virtually, Bill listened to the charges against him in connection to the killings of three people in the span of a few days. A public defender told 13 News Now that an attorney will meet with Bill in the next few days. Based on that meeting, that attorney could ask the court for a mental evaluation, which would likely take place before Bill's preliminary hearing. Preliminary hearings in both cases are scheduled to take place within the next month. My hope is just that the truth uh, and justice can be found uh, throughout this process. Um, you know, that we learn exactly what happened, how it happened, and that justice can be found for these, these three families who, who lost their loved ones in, in very tragic ways. So my, my hope is that we are able to, to, to find truth and justice in this case. True Crime Chronicles, I'm Will Johnson here with Reed Redman. Reed, something to note in all of this is that we really only have Cola Beale's side of this story. So there are some details we're waiting for investigators to verify. Exactly. And that's something that Eugene Daniel pointed out to me when I spoke to him is that he's still working to verify a lot of the things that we heard from Cola Beale directly. Things like, was there a woman with him when he was arrested? Had he actually taken this woman hostage? Did he take 
the $20,000 he says he took from Clifton Baxter's home? Did all of these different events take place when he said that they did? And it's likely we'll learn more about what the investigation has been able to confirm in the coming weeks. And read another detail that comes up during this interview with Cola Beal is that his father is also behind bars. What do we know about that? Beal's father is in prison for murder. Uh, Beal said that his father first went to prison when he was young for attempting to kill his mother and that this current sentence is uh, for killing his wife. And there was some recognition of the similarities between Cola Beal's case, what he's confessed to, and these crimes that his father was convicted of. And Beal has children of his own. He talked about that. And it's just incredibly tragic. And that element of this story has prompted advocates in the community to speak up about violence prevention. And our partner station, 13 News Now, spoke to some of them about that. Robin Godier with Virginia Beach-based nonprofit Samaritan House says there are ways to break cycles of violence. As long as there's intervention and children can be helped and given services, then there's not an absolute they're going to become an abuser. She believes that bystanders play a crucial role. Please say something to that victim and slip them a phone number. And Godier says there are also professionals who can help if you spot red flags with a partner or relative. We do danger assessments with anyone who contacts us on our hotline. And while she recognizes that we may never know the full story behind Beal and his girlfriend's relationship, Godier hopes others hear this message loud and clear. When you have that gut feeling that things aren't going well, aren't going right, follow that gut feeling and get out of that situation as quickly as you can. As tragic as this series of events was, as we heard, it could have been worse. And one of the more chilling parts of this interview with Cole Beal is that he himself says he didn't have plans to stop. Yeah. Uh, to be clear, even though he ended up confessing on camera, Cola Beal did not turn himself in. He said he was planning to go on the run. And as you mentioned, we, we heard he was planning to keep killing. The phrase that he used was that he was going to continue to blow off more steam. And, you know, it's really difficult to hear someone talk about human life like that, to talk about killing people as blowing off steam. And in fact, he said he thought about, in his words, unloading when the U.S. Marshals came in to arrest him and potentially dying in a shootout instead of having to face his crimes. But of all things, what he said stopped him from doing that was that there were children near the Airbnb where he was arrested. Something else Beal was asked in these interviews was, if he hadn't killed his girlfriend, would he have killed Clifton Baxter or Downing McLean? And his answer was no, that his girlfriend was the person he said kept him from snapping and that after he killed her, he said there was no one there to stop him. One thing I'm still a little puzzled by in all of this, did Beale give an explanation for why he returned to the home where he killed Xavier Hill two days later to set it on fire? Yeah, and I don't know if his answer makes it any less puzzling, but he said it was because nobody was checking on her. He said he was watching on camera. We don't know if that's true, but but it sounds like he's talking about security cameras or a video doorbell or something like that at the home. And he said family members went to the house and called Hill on the phone, but didn't actually go inside and that that upset him that nobody was going in to check on her. And so that's when he went back to the home and set it on fire. And during the interview, one of the reporters kind of points out the gap in logic here saying, hey, you're saying... You were upset that nobody was checking on her, but because of the actions you're admitting to, it was too late. It wouldn't have made a difference if anyone had gotten into the home sooner. And he didn't really have a direct response to that. Reed, you mentioned his preliminary hearings are coming up. When will those take place? 
Yeah. So as I mentioned, because there are cases in two jurisdictions here, the first is going to be the Norfolk case. There's a preliminary hearing set for that on May 26th. And then a preliminary hearing for the Virginia Beach case is set for June 2nd. Eugene Daniel said the indication at this point is that Cola Beale's public defender in the Virginia Beach case will seek a mental health evaluation. So we'll see if a judge will allow that. Beale was actually asked in those interviews about his mental state during all of this, and, and this was his response. Um, to be in a sound mind right now is not even... Nah, because all I'm doing right now, I keep seeing flashbacks of everything, like everything when I did it and all everything people were saying to me before they left. Like, I'm, I'm still visualizing that now. It's playing back like it's on repeat right now in my head. And all I'm seeing is red. All I see is fire. I don't see no green. I don't see no colors right now. All I see is red. I can see red all over your face right now. I don't see nothing. You know what I'm saying? So at the same time, I'm, I'm just here right now. So our partner is at 13 News Now in Norfolk, Virginia. We'll have all the updates on both of those cases as they move forward. All right, Reed, thanks for bringing us this case this week. And also our thanks to Eugene Daniel at 13 News Now in Norfolk. If you haven't already, check out our daily podcast, The Daily Crime. You can find Reed and myself on that one Monday through Friday, five days a week. And thanks for listening to True Crime Chronicles. We'll be back next week with a new case and a new story. 